Hello, we're so glad to have you with us. Many thanks for joining us on Search for Truth. This is uh, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Today, Brian continues answering listeners' questions. Now, there's no booklet to accompany this series, but as Brian responds to each new question, you might recognise the one question as, as yours, the one you asked. So, if that's the case, if you do answer, if you do recognise your question, please tell us whether or not Brian's answer has been helpful. And have a pen and paper handy, and I'll tell you the addresses and websites after Brian's talk. Only one question remains to be answered after today's programme, and it's from a listener in Nigeria, but that'll be for next week. So now let's ask Brian to answer our question for today. It's from a listener in Essex in the United Kingdom who asks if we can really be sure of salvation. So, Brian, can we? Sure, but uh, as we begin to respond to this query, um, he's asking, let's be clear about it, about salvation, which means he's asking about the knowledge of forgiveness, the forgiveness which is in Christ alone about which the Bible speaks. A lady once heard a preacher say that salvation is by God's grace and not by our own good works. He was presumably preaching on Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, but she struggled to accept it. She wrestled in prayer with the idea until she fell asleep. And as she slept, she had a dream. She dreamt she was falling over a cliff and grabbed the branch of a tree to arrest her fall. As she dangled over the edge, she was holding on for dear life. But she heard a voice saying, let go. She didn't. How could she? She'd fall and be lost. Again, the voice said, let go. Again, she easily resisted that unnatural advice that seemed to defy all reason to her. Letting go made no sense. Then the voice said, if you won't let go, I can't save you. She awoke at that point in her dream and was at once convinced that salvation was by God's grace alone and not by her own efforts. To put it on the sure foundation of the word of God, let's now quote Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. This listening friend from Essex, England, whom I spoke about in opening, wrote to tell us that he found one particular Search for Truth broadcast very helpful. It was one that he described as being a message on the assurance of salvation based on John's first letter. And I certainly remember giving that series of talks. I remember them well because there was a time when I too used to find the Apostle John's first letter more than a little confusing. Then I realised by the Lord's help that its central theme was not about how we receive salvation, but about how we can be sure about the reality of the salvation we've already received. That was a light bulb moment for me. That observation, God's help in making that distinction, was a massive help to me in getting to grips with the actual message of 1 John. The Apostle John there repeats three things over and over in his first Bible letter, those three things are our need to maintain our beliefs, secondly, to do what's right, and thirdly, to love others. You may at first think that John is saying that, taken together, these define the way of salvation. But you'd be wrong. That would be making salvation the result of our own works. This would hopelessly contradict the teaching found elsewhere in the New Testament. Many clear and major lines of Bible teaching converge, to show emphatically that our salvation is not by our own works. 
But as Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 say, it's by God's grace which we must simply receive through faith alone on our part. So let me restate my discovery of some time ago now. John's not telling us how to obtain salvation or the forgiveness of our sins, but he is telling us how we can be sure we already have that salvation or that forgiveness. If we maintain our beliefs, if we do what's right, and if we love others, then we'll live in real assurance of salvation. Failure to do these things, however, will result in our claim of salvation becoming very hollow-sounding, above all to ourselves. We need to live the life to assure ourselves that we have it. But back to our listener from Essex in England. In his letter, he was wondering if we really can be sure after all. I think he was reflecting back that it almost seemed too good to be true. The most impressive statement of assurance comes in the fifth chapter of the Apostle John's first letter, reading on from verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life, He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That last verse is so emphatic, isn't it? That you may know you have eternal life. Yes, we can be sure. And without a doubt, God wants us to be sure. He caused his apostle to write these lines just so that we may really know this. It sure is good to know that you're no longer guilty before a holy God, to know beyond any doubt whatsoever that we are right with God through personal faith in Christ alone. That's where verse 12 comes in. It's so clear and definite. Our faith lays hold on this word from God. If we've received God's Son, Jesus Christ, into our hearts by faith, then we have eternal life. If we've never repented to God of our sinfulness and turned to him through believing in his Son, then we don't have this free gift of God, which is everlasting life. It's as simple and clear-cut as that. The story is told of a rich man who died and his household goods were now being auctioned. By the way, according to my research, the version of the story which I'm about to share is the original version, which was first printed in 1954. In this version, the rich man died and his household goods, all his possessions, were being auctioned off because it appeared that he'd left no will, none that anyone could find at any rate. Among his possessions was a framed photograph of his son, and at the auction the only person to bid on it was an elderly woman dressed in shabby clothes. She was later revealed to have been the dead child's nurse. Her charge, we are told, died at an early age, but she'd loved him dearly and now wanted his photograph as a keepsake, now that it could be obtained quite cheaply at the auction. In fact, there was little other interest in it, apparently. So the old nurse successfully bid for it and later took the treasured photograph home. When examining it in her house, she noticed a bulge in the heavy paper backing of the frame. Intrigued, she made a cut in the backing paper and from inside it she pulled out an envelope. The envelope was found to contain a copy of the rich man's missing will. But that wasn't all. The will made it clear that the rich man's entire estate was to go to whoever had purchased this photograph of his son, 
That is, the entire fortune was to go to the person who cherished the memory of the dead man's son. The only person who cherished the son, as opposed to all the others who were simply attempting to plunder the rich man's wealth, was the one who was the intended one to benefit from it all. And so it is in relation to every good thing we could ever wish for. Searching for these things in our own way, we fail to get them. But to receive Jesus Christ as Saviour, we have everything that's worth having included in him. John 5 and verse 24 says, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Receiving Christ brings us eternal life and freedom from guilt and immunity from sin's wages, namely death. As we now draw our response to a conclusion, I want to leave you with the pure and emphatic language of the Bible. Listen carefully to our readings, if it's assurance of your salvation which you're looking for, like our listener who asked the question we've been answering today. These quotes that follow leave no room at all for uncertainty. We begin in Acts 10 and verse 43. Of him all the prophets bear witness, that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Then in Acts 16 and verse 30. After he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. The Apostle Paul also says in Ephesians 1 and verse 13, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who has given us a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. And finally, back to John, John 1 verse 12, But as many as received him, that's Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I did say finally, but I think I want to leave you with the words of the Lord in John 17 and verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There again, is that ring of certain knowledge so clear in John's writings? Praise God!
Thanks, Brian, for answering the question so fully. And if our questioner in Essex is listening now, then please write and let us know if Brian's talk's been helpful or not. Of course, for some listeners, and you may be one, these talks may raise more questions. And if this is true for you, then do please write in. If you've got a pen and paper, here's our postal and our email address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. I'll repeat that. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you know there's no booklet for this series on listeners' questions, but you can still access many talks and booklets for subjects and studies we've done before, and then you can uh, enjoy them at your leisure. Each week I remind you of different ways to obtain them, and one way is by looking up www.searchfortruth.org.uk, which is our church's main website, and you can download some actual programmes and their accompanying transcripts, as well as accessing other helpful material. And also look out for Search for Truth featuring on uh, the web address of www.twr360.org. We're excited that this will give you yet another excellent way of accessing again what you first heard uh, here on air. Now, it's been great to have your company. I hope you enjoyed the programme. And next week, Brian deals with the final question in this series from a listener in Nigeria. Is there a Christian way to find a marriage partner? So please join us again. And until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our studio technician David, our singers, and me, John. Goodbye, and may God richly bless you. <laughs>